Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And on the other end there, on the interwebs, keeping it spoopy, I got David. You already know who it is, spoopy boys. <laughs> spoopy <laughs> boys. Also known as Nightly. On the other end there, we got Freddy. Spoopy boys, always staying spoopy. Staying spoopy. Forever and always. Ooh. Also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's like with a what? Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, our featured film for tonight, I'm so excited to talk about this because it's from my favorite director, Mike Flanagan's Hush. The homie, dude. Mike Flanagan did not disappoint with Haunting of Hill House, and you guys told me about this. After I watched Haunting just a couple months ago. And I didn't realize it until I was starting the movie that this was also directed by him. Hell yeah. And he We're, is officially yeah. the homie. <laughs> For real. This guy, yeah. Oculus, he, Dr. Sleep. So, so, so fucking good. good. So good. Before we even like really jump into that, everybody, I want to let you guys know that this is the end of our You're Not Safe Here Anymore month, also known as our Home Invasion Month. We started with Don't Breathe, and we're ending it with initially another person who has accessibility needs, Hush. So this is honestly been a great, great, great month of just some super fun uh, home invasion films, and I know, I know, uh, David, you weren't in the last episode, and that's totally fine. But we had a lot of fun with that as well. But yeah, first and foremost, guys, thoughts. I loved it. I think this movie was I... really great. <laughs> it was very refreshing, and I. It's weird because this is one of those movies where I was kind of like getting hyped up. Like I was like, mm. like I was this person's cheerleader. I was like, yeah, you go, you you do that, <laughs> hell yeah, let's go. Like I wanted her to win so bad. Uh, and yeah. she's a very likable character. I would just like to say, like, this movie doesn't use the normal horror tropes. And I mm-hmm. love that. Every character in this movie is pretty, like, smart and intelligent yeah. and plans stuff out. Yeah. Um, but it's fantastic. that's just me. I don't know, David? I have to agree with you, Freddie. So one thing that I am beyond appreciative about Hush is this movie respects me and my intelligence. And it doesn't. Treat me like a beginner to horror. Um, right. Yeah. Man, with with the you know, the thematic um resonance of like senses, right? You have Maddie mm-hmm. that is uh deaf and mute, but throughout yeah. this film, as we dive in, she also loses her sight for a good majority of the mm-hmm. film because power is cut out. And really she's dependent on mostly touch as her primary sense. And right. Not only that, the the film in the beginning, later on, you're introduced that a character, uh, I, I believe Sarah, you know, she introduces you verbally that, oh, Maddie, you're deaf or you're mute. Yeah. But before that, the film tries to show you on its own from her perspective of how her senses are like that. You can tell that, right. oh, she has accessibility needs, which I think is 
so intelligently done. Um, But not only that, like Freddie had mentioned, you're not following the typical horror tropes here. You have the intruder, the man, right? Where he, typically in a horror film, you think, girl, just get your phone or hop on your (laughs) laptop and call 911 if you took your phone. And the movie does go down those routes. And it also plainly shows you, yep, your tires are slashed. It's not going to be this big reveal. Everyone expects the the attacker or the killer right to do that um completely agree everything yeah this movie this movie respected that subtle you've seen a bunch of slashers you've seen a bunch of horror thrillers like we're gonna really show you how this can really feel real um and i love that it respected me in return i respect it so much because of that that's awesome and is this your guys's first time watching this yes Oh my god! And I am, I am so, so happy. happy I didn't see a trailer too. I went in blind, and it yeah, was me perfect. too. Yes, now yes. when, when I when I saw Kate Siegel, I'm like, yo, this is Mike Flanagan because Haunting of Hill House. I'm like, I'm so ready for this. Yeah, that's also his wife. No way! Like, oh whoa! Yeah, he's that's crazy. Yeah, they're married. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my they mind have, is blown. Uh, two kids, I think. Oh my god! Um, yeah, so I adore this movie absolutely adore this movie to me this is the pinnacle of a home invasion movie like i think this is done right on every chamber every cylinder is fired off and i think it is so well done where like you said uh david like it's very smart about um the actions of the character the actions of uh the the antagonist as well even like oh for sure this was dreadfully smart Mm -hmm. like it was awesome and I loved every single aspect of it. And one thing that this movie definitely reminds me of is Better Watch Out, which we covered back in December. Great movie. Um, and the reason why it reminds me of Better Watch Out is because it, it kind of u- utilizes that same uh, trope of like, holy shit, like, oh shit, he took your phone go to the computer same concept happened in better watch out like oh we dropped your phone in a tank um oh our 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 internet's not working therefore we can't use facetime to call the cops like it's it, it's all this type of shit that i'm just like fuck it's thought about like yeah and th- that's a lot of people's complaints when it comes to these modern slashers or modern um modern horror in general where it's just like okay we have new technology that is technically made to save our lives now. <laughs> and exactly. How are you going to combat that as a, as a, a serial killer or um, something like that? And it's quite genius to, to think about where you're just like, well, shit, he fucking combated it immediately. He was like, well, I'm going to turn this off because I see her computer there. Like he wasn't necessarily doing that for the lights. He didn't give a shit if she had lights or not. But she was stuck. not even just that. Like they showed the minor details where he goes on her phone, checks the Wi-Fi, and knows that the yeah. neighbor's yeah. Wi-Fi has a up. password. It's like, yeah, you yep. know, she can't connect to Wi-Fi. He double checks. He right. He made sure everything was efficient and done well. And I was exactly. like, dude, this guy's insane. And moments like yeah. that really impressed me. There was moments like the last couple films I've been watching with Bella. Right. There's moments where mm-hmm. we're watching and Bella and I are just thinking, well, can't you just call 911 on your <laughs> on your Mac? And then like right when she runs over, the power gets cut and it and like you said Freddie that that scene where she checks the neighbor's Wi-Fi, he checks the neighbor's Wi-Fi. 
I think mm-hmm. with a lot of horror films, not all of them, right? But with a lot of them, they expect you to have the horror movie mindset of just pretend the phone's not there for the majority of time or pretend this isn't a possible solution because there's a lot of films where a lot of audience members might go well if i was in this situation i'd just do this don't be dumb but this film really took every avenue of a viewer thinking do this and made it a roadblock bottles it exactly it's it's perfectly executed absolutely and even taking out the uh, quarrels of yeah you're alone in a cabin in the middle of the woods and technically you have neighbors and technically you do have a person that can be there with you i mean craig pop craig's name pops up multiple times and you have all of these kind of things the even max her sister like you, you have all these kind of concepts of like well you technically didn't have to be alone you could have even gone with Sarah and granted, I mean, it would have probably happened faster, (laughs) but you could have gone with Sarah and you technically didn't have to be alone, but this is her home. She's, she's used to this. She's used to being there. And it, it, it is, it was just so well done of taking an environment that is your sanctuary, sanctuary, excuse me, um, and turning it in not only to your prison, but to like your hell. And it is it is so so intriguing and so well done that and I think both Mike and um, Kate wrote this movie together. Wow, um, that's really cool. But yeah, I love 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 this movie. I could talk about this movie all fucking night, but <laughs> we don't have all night, so let's jump into the plot. Hush, directed by Mike Flanagan, released March twelfth of two thousand sixteen. I think this actually went straight to Netflix almost. Like, I, I don't remember this going to movies or anything like that. I think so, too. Um, yeah. Oh, really? Rust, I was surprised yeah, to so. even see it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's been on there for years. Like, Hush was, like, definitely... I've, I've been trying to force people to watch Hush for so long. This movie <laughs> has been have on my friend. list for a long time. So I'm happy we I'm ended glad. up watching I'm, it. I'm glad we were, we end up watching it then. I, I have a friend who I've been trying to get to watch this movie forever. And he just, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, you know, I don't really like home invasion movies. I'm just like, bro, this is the pinnacle. Like, this is, this is the movie that will allow you to like home invasion. That and probably don't breathe. But like, this is the movie that will allow you to like these types of movies. But Hush to me is just that fucking top tier. Like, it's just something about it. And I might, it might just be because I'm a Mike Flanagan stand, but still, Yo, same. this is one of the best, <laughs> most well done. Um, <laughs> I, it just fuck, it's just so good. God damn it, Mike Flanagan, <laughs> you got me tripping over my words. Swoon. <laughs> a runtime of one hour and twenty one minutes. A budget of one million dollars. Wow, that's that's it. That's nothing. A budget of one million dollars. I mean, I could He's see it. He's the king of using low budgets. Yeah. But you That's think insane. about it, yeah. There's one o- one location, about five people in the cast, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's, but damn, one million. That's yeah for Not how special well of a movie it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely wild. Like it's just man. I think his first movie that he ever made was Absentia, and I think you can even watch Absentia for free right now. Uh, but uh, Absentia gives you these vibes as well and absentia is fucking dark though dude like absentia is rough um it's good though it's really good uh but he made that with uh seventy thousand dollars nice 
That's crazy. That's awesome. Seventy thousand dollars. Yeah. So he is the fucking king at knowing how to stretch a dollar. He is the king. <laughs> and I think the I was thing not able to find. Mo- oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry, sorry. My bad. I was just saying the thing with this movie is like a lot of the stuff that happens is very practical, and I feel like they did a lot of the realistic takes on it too. Oh yeah. So I was oh, like, oh yeah. It was and fantastic. The fact that it was filmed at night makes it easier, too, for you to get away with a lot more. Because you don't have to show that much bloodshed and things like that. So That's true. It was it was able to get away uh, with a lot more. I wasn't able to find a box office for this uh, just because I don't think this was uh, nationally released. Uh, but there is a score of 93% well on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Well fucking deserved. We opened straight to the title. I love that, by yes. the way. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for cold opens, Yeah, but I'm so glad this didn't have it. Yeah. We open straight to the title and the camera panning downward to a wooded area in a cabin. Our protagonist, Maddie, is uh, cooking some crazy, delicious-looking food, but it, I guess it wasn't because she, she did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while she is looking at, at the computer, the sound starts to uh, get more muffled to non-existent, and we now realize as an audience... That she is deaf. She tastes some of her dinner and makes a disgusted face while a, a message comes in on her computer. Maddie notices the message from her friend Sarah, who lives next door, asking if she can come over. She tells her that she can come over and that she uh, is just cooking. She goes back to cooking, trying to make her sauce better, but uh, still makes a face of disgust. Her computer is dying, so she shuts it. She shuts it, uh, or she shuts the lid to plug it into the charger and grab her phone instead. And I actually wanted to include here that I love this shot because you see Mike Flanagan's inspirations for pretty much the this whole movie where it's or Mike Flanagan's and Kate Siegel's, excuse me. Um, but you see that shot of. All those Stephen King books that are kind of all just on the shelf, which I thought was so cool. And they were like Stephen Mm. King, like mystery novels. Mm -hmm. They weren't Stephen King horror novels. And I thought that was really, really, really cool. And shout out to Mr. Mercedes because that was that was on the uh, on the table. Um, But yeah, Mr. Mercedes, man. Whoa, what a fucking book. Man, God dang. Uh, she responds to her friend about how her food isn't really coming out the way she expected. She grabs the uh, she grabs the cat food and shakes it to call her cat to come inside the house and eat. And this cat was fucking adorable. Oh my <laughs> it God. was very cute. It was very cute. Mike Flanagan must have a thing for cute cats because even the cat in Doctor Sleep is really, a, really, really adorable. <laughs> but you don't want it to see uh, on your bed at all. Yeah, exactly. That's true. And you also didn't want to see Doc to come in your room either, though. Um, more about that for you, David. I want to have a whole Flanagan month, but God dang it. Uh, <laughs> but Sarah's walking t- walking up the road while texting Maddie. They hug slash greet each other, and Sarah tells Maddie that she read her book. Sarah repeats that she that she said to... Excuse me. Sarah repeats what she said to Maddie, but in sign language this time. And I actually love how the book is Midnight Mass which is also the new movie that's coming out from Mike Flanagan. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. That's yeah, really cool. You're right. That's Mike Flanagan's new movie that's that, sh- that we should be too. getting either this year or next year, Midnight Mass. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. 
Oh, I thought that was so cool. Uh, Maddie tells her that she doesn't have to sign, but Sarah insists that she is getting better and she needs to practice anyway. She continues telling Maddie that she has been taking classes with John. Maddie asks her how how did she like the book, and Sarah tells her that she loved it. Um, Sarah continues telling her that she tried to guess the ending, but she was way off. She asks she asks her how she, how she comes. Excuse me. She asks her, how does she come up with this stuff? And Maddie tells her that her mom calls it, quote, writer brain, end quote. And that any possible outcome is like a movie in her head with many endings. Oh, man. Can you imagine that? Like just having like multiple endings in your head and things like that. Like I've always thought about the process um, because you guys may know this. You guys may not. But I'm writing a screenplay. Um I, I'll tell you guys what that is offline, sure. but I'm writing a screenplay right now. And uh, that's one thing that I keep juggling is just like, how do I want this to end this particular movie? Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's just, it, it's interesting. It's a really interesting, but I, I'm, I'm curious. Like, can you guys like imagine like, like how you want something to end and you just keep scrapping the ending? It's yeah, kind of funny. I, I'm, All right, go ahead, David, you go first. I was going to say, I, I definitely, I think that's what, really separates the true like creatives because mm. i i have processed the ideas of like different avenues for storytelling that i would come up with but i think truly creative people hear it as a different voice in their head because i i very mm. much have like my own thought process but it's not as if it's voices if that makes sense sure. it's me sure. really just thinking to myself but i know that i've met plenty of people that have that experience of like you know, where it's overwhelming, where they see this vision. Bella's very much yeah. like that. Like, she'll hear a song and then she'll create this whole story and she'll need to speak it out uh, just to get it out of her, like, head. And it's yeah. really fascinating to me. I think that is a That's so cool. true mark of someone being creative. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Freddie? Like, can you can you imagine that? Like, just trailing off with, with that mindset? Um, I can definitely kind of like relate, but I don't know if it's something creative awesome. of mine or not. Uh, I just overthink a lot of things. So I always come up mm. with different like conclusions of different situations anyways. So that's like always yeah. part of my like life and stuff like that. Uh, there, sure. It's really weird because I have a phrase I always say, and maybe you guys heard me say it or not, but I don't know. I always say, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. That way you're never surprised yep. and you're never disappointed. Mm-hmm. So that's Absolutely. always on the back of my head of knowing what any outcome would be. And sometimes when I'm watching a movie, I'm already guessing what the ending's going to be. And this is like one of those movies where I had no idea where they're going to go. And this movie surprised me <laughs> several times I'm during glad. the movie, not even towards the end, where that's it's like, awesome. I didn't see that coming at all. So this is like that's a horror awesome. film that I've seen. And I've seen a lot of horror films at this point that <laughs> I was generally surprised. So... I think That's I told incredible. you guys this. Like, I get excited when I get scared in a scary movie because it doesn't happen yeah. that often now that I've seen so much go on in a horror movie where I was like, yes, this is good writing. This is like exactly like her mindset. It's like she's getting a story that she doesn't expect. So I was yeah. like, perfect. And I, the reason why I brought this up is is mainly because we see her go through that process later, later. in the film. Oh yeah, and it's the coolest fucking shit Love it. ever in cinema. I thought I thought it was so very very well done. I think it actually um, gave me goosebumps. But, like literally, it was great. 
Oh, I bet. Oh man, like it. I I love this movie. I, I've only seen this movie twice. This was my second watch through, and I've always wanted to revisit it. And I'm so glad I put it on the list for us. Yeah, I'm happy. Um, same. Uh, but she also mentions that it's hard to make the voices stay quiet in her head. Sarah, intrigued by this, asks her if the voice sounds like a kid since she got sick at the age of 13. And I love how this is now unraveling a little bit more to tell us that, oh, like Maddie wasn't born this way. Like uh, something happened. Um, but Maddie tells her that it sounds like her mom. Uh, she tells Maddie that she thinks she uh, is a good storyteller, but signs uh, she signs kiss her instead, which makes Maddie Maddie laugh. I thought that was cute. <laughs> While having their conversation, the food is burning in the house and Sarah points in that direction so uh, they could take care of it. They all run into the house to take care of the food and the smoke alarm. Smoke alarm's loud as shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sarah pulls the food out of the oven while Maddie takes care of the smoke alarm above. Sarah comments on, on her alarm being really loud and Maddie explains that she has it this way. Because she feels the vibrations when she's asleep. How clever. Right. How That's clever. a crazy that, alarm system. I love it. Yeah. And what, 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 the reason why this is so clever, not clever because of the alarm system. That's, that's cool too. But um, it's clever because Mike Flanagan and Kate Siegel, they really took the time to learn. Yeah. Before diving into this like i don't know if they have a a friend or a family member that suffers from hearing loss or uh or is mute but the the love and care that is put into this and and granted i don't know anyone who has hearing hearing loss or who's hearing impaired or anything like that um but to me that felt legitimate like that felt like yeah i could i can definitely see that and i and it feels genuine yeah i agree i think he did his research on this he didn't like poorly i mean he chose to have this character have those like accessibility needs so i know he wanted to do it justice and actually research everything and show a movie in that person's perspective because yeah yeah, it's it's fascinating not only that but it's great uh representation right because you don't really see a lot of people with accessibility needs being represented in film i mean there are there is representation but you know you really have to look for it or the movie is about those accessibility needs but with here it's it's melding the genres um where you know it's representing someone that has accessibility needs but also it's the protagonist for uh, a horror thriller which is awesome and it really gives you uh, a delve into uh, the different challenges they need to face. And with something like a fire alarm, how intense and different it is. Um, And I love little subtle touches. Like if you look at her phone going off, she has the accessibility feature where the LED flashes and it's it's subtle, uh, subtle touches like that, that make it so um, realistic. Too. Yeah, accurate to what it must be yeah. like for someone that is deaf and mute. And I love yeah. that. They, Again, it, it makes me they, feel like there's a lot of respect coming from this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. They really did their research, their research. And I love that they both took it into consideration. Like, hey, like this is an actual need. And it, it really harkens on the, the beauty of the sound design and and like how she tries to be quiet, but she initially makes a little bit more noise than she expected. Mm-hmm. And I love that they added that. 
in that into this. It's absolutely so 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 well done. Cut to them sitting on the steps outside, and Sarah asks about the cat. Maddie tells her that she is quote an independent bi- little bitch. <laughs> um, and, uh, I love how we find out the cat's name later, which yeah. I'm gonna add. But Sarah, uh, unsure at what she is signing, Maddie spells it out for her. Sarah laughs at this and copies her. Then apologizes about dinner and asks if she would like to come over. Maddie tells her that she has to work and can't come over right now. Sarah tells her thank you and. Tries tries to hand her back the book and Maddie tells uh, Maddie tells her to keep it and she has dozens upstairs. Sarah tells her thank you once again and include in including for all or, excuse me and including for all of the new words that she just learned which I thought was really really like sincere yeah. and endearing a little bit. I thought that was really really sweet. Right. Uh, Sarah leaves, but while she is leaving Maddie gets a message from someone named Craig saying that he thought of her today. We're like, oh, oh. Um, she <laughs> deletes the message. It goes back inside the house. Back in the house, she puts her phone on the counter and we get a shot of the of the back of her, the, her book talking about her condition. She contracted meningitis at the age of 13, causing her to lose her speech and hearing. Fade to her working on the uh, working and eating a frozen made meal. Um, she is writing a story called Sweetwater. And thinking about what to write next. She sits, she sits there for a moment and then starts thinking in her mom's voice. And I put uh, that this actually sounds really, really cool. And I, I like that the it's one voice, but it's a bit all over the place. Like yeah. She can't really get her thoughts uh, straight. I think that's really, really well done. And especially for her to for us to kind of get a little bit of a deeper dive into her psyche. Um, for sure. Because... Yeah we're now understanding, okay, this is how, her, how she thinks. This is how her thought process goes. This is how she's able to create something like uh, Midnight Mass or Sweetwater of what she was initially creating. And that I, I found that process to be honestly really transparent for us as an audience. Like, oh, just well done, well done. What do you guys think? No, I completely agree with you. I feel like that's exactly what the director wanted to portray. Is literally just the way she thinks and how she's able to be so creative in her stories of coming up with so many yeah. ideas all at the same time. And it's all like reaching out to her and she's putting them down on paper. It doesn't really know which one to listen to, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. How, yeah. how great is it that it gives us still an opportunity to delve into the thought or the opinion of someone that can't physically speak? You know, yeah, it's such a great so cool. artistic choice um, that doesn't yeah. feel forced or tacked on. It feels very genuine and authentic. Right. Absolutely. You know what it reminds completely, me of? Completely uh, agree. That line from Inside Out is like, I wonder what's going on in her brain. And then we go dive deep into her brain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah okay. Yeah, I can see like, that. Okay. <laughs> I can definitely see that. <laughs> Not truly wanting to think about what to write, she decides to go on and uh, FaceTime Craig. While trying to do this, she calls and hangs up a couple of times, then closed out of the application um, uh, altogether. She sighs from a confusing frustration, but then gets a call from Craig and then slams her computer closed. She's like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, uh, she walks over to the kitchen and, and the FaceTime call is still ringing on her phone that is on the counter. She lets it ring until it stops and then proceeds to throw the food away. You know who she actually looks like to me? Kate Siegel. Who? Uh, she looks like um, our friend um, Elena. 
Like they they have quite like the, just like their facial features kind of resemble each other. In a way. I, yeah, similar features. I, I don't think they look the same, but they do sh- no, share they, similar yeah, features. They don't, they don't look spot on, yeah, but yeah. like they share the same features. For I could sure. see that. Yeah. Um, while doing this, Sarah runs up to the back door, banging and screaming for Maddie to uh, help her. She doesn't see her screaming and banging. Now. How did you guys feel about this? Man. Now, granted, everybody, everybody, I want you guys to know, we are 13 minutes into this movie. Right. Exactly. It's a short movie. It's a very short movie. I, I literally short. stood up because I was laying down. I stood up. I fixed my posture. I'm like, oh, we're getting right into this, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, man, uh, it was, I mean, straight up, it was fucked. Like, it, right. it was just. So unexpected. So sad. It's like something that's straight out of a nightmare really you think about yeah. like i'm sure we've all have probably had some kind of nightmare that almost felt akin to that where you're mm-hmm. being chased begging for help but someone just doesn't hear you and oh. it it's sad it's and it gets oh. really heavy really quick and it keeps you engaged you're like oh damn we're going right into this and it's starting off heavy but yeah. honestly as a horror fan i'm like hey I like the design of this killer. He looks cool. <laughs> that mask works well for him. This is kind of intriguing. I love the mask. I feel like it's one of my favorite masks. Yeah. Love that mask so much. And it, I, I remember first seeing this and I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is fucking picking up. Okay. Uh, David, did Bella watch this with you? Yeah. She actually fell asleep oh, halfway yeah. through. Um, yeah but um, i know she loves her naps but that's fair fair um yeah i mean give a killer a mask and i'm i'm way more invested you know it just it's also easier to stomach because straight up like that scene was really heavy um oh yeah where sarah is getting stabbed but because he has a mask i can kind of morph my my thought process to see him as more supernatural, even though later in the film, he's very much <laughs> human. Um, For sure. But, you know, I, I always make the connection of mass knife scream, and it's easier Got for it. me to stomach. Fair enough. Um, but that's a coping mechanism for me because it's heavy stuff. Yeah. Oh, for it sure. is very much so. At least what can you then, like what oh, you said? Ahead. Prince was saying like, Oh, we're only 13 minutes in. This was the first point where it's like, I was generally surprised and i was surprised it happened so quick and i was surprised <laughs> that the first kill was so violent as well yeah because oh, it, it kept going and they like want to emphasize like she's hitting against the window too and she can't hear yep. and they emphasize mm-hmm. that over and over and over again like she has all the time to realize it but because she's mm-hmm. deaf she never does which is the scary mm-hmm. part yep. and i felt like yeah. that's real good filmmaking and good writing of like that scene in general I- completely agree and i even put here i was like the mask is good (laughs) the mask is really good the mask is so fucking good and and we'll we'll talk a little bit more on on that particular scene in just a sec uh but then an arrow is shot into her back and a masked man comes up to her to stab her in the stomach just once in the beginning he notices maddie in the kitchen and watches her and then he continues to stab sarah Mm. Not while watching Sarah, but while watching Maddie. <laughs> it really Until lets you. She dies. It really lets you get right to the 
the thought process of like, all right, this guy is sick. Like th- he is yeah. mentally demented. fucked. And he is demented as fuck. You can already kind of gather like the, the sick, I guess, pleasure that he gets from doing this and also just invoking yeah. fear into people. Um, and it sucks because yeah, Maddie loves it. Maddie has become a target by accident and it right. sucks yeah. because she, she, uh, she's handy. She's handicapped, right? With her senses being limited. And it's a hard thing to picture already 13 minutes in that this character mm-hmm. is going to have to go through this. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of shows off the villain too, how he doesn't care if he gets caught killing someone. Because at this point, he doesn't yeah. know that she's deaf. And that's why he kind of right. still stares at her. It's like, oh, why are you not turning around? I mean, I'm going to kill you right after this. But I'm realizing you're not noticing this at this point. He didn't care if he was right. going to get caught or not. He was going to like, cool, you're next, I guess. But, yeah, he wants right, to be exactly. noticed. It shows his mindset. Right? Yeah, he wanted her to notice. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, fine, I'll make you notice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, does <laughs> mm. he. Once she is dead on the ground, he watches Maddie and tries to make a noise to see if she notices him, but she doesn't. He picks up Sarah's body and takes it away from the door. Back with Maddie and Craig is calling once again. She walks over to it and flips the phone upside down. She goes back to her computer to start writing for her book yet again. While she is on the computer, the sliding door starts to open. And the man with the mask walks into the house behind her tapping his knife on his chest and i love Ugh. how the sound is just so so noticeable for right us yeah as viewer. an audience i love it he moves out of the way when her sister max calls her on facetime max asks um ask her if she is up um and Maddie jokingly tells her that she is dying writing to writing this book. Maddie tells Craig, um, texted her, and Max shares that their mom is worried about them. She tells Maddie to come live with her because she is worried about her. The man takes her phone from from off the counter, and Max actually notices something in the background. And Max comes on, she's like, "What was that?" And Max asks her, um, or excuse me, and Maddie tells her that it was probably the cat. And I would have been like, uh, but your cat's white. Like, that looks black. Yeah. Like, what was that? Maybe you should go go and check real quick. And then Maddie tells her that she has to go uh, to find the cat. They say their goodbyes, and she gives, uh, and she goes over the uh, over to the food to bribe the cat with the food to come back in. She starts walking around the house, shaking the bowl, but sh- uh, she is not able to find the cat. And I actually want to comment the phenomenal framework and cinematography at this point in time. Right. Because this is all one shot and it's fucking gorgeous. And by one shot, like it was one shot from when Max said, what was that? Then it's all one shot after that. I'm like, holy shit, how chilling that was. Yeah, like the way so it good. just moved. Pans with the character. Like, it's just like just moving yeah. that cat food. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I'm a it's sucker just like for... what David would say, uh, like in previous episodes, like it feels like that person is there yep. with them or watching them. Like, I'm a sucker it, for continuous one shots, and just because of that reason specifically, Prince, it's yeah. it really invokes the perspective of like the killer, you know, and just yeah. it really feels like um, 
like Predator vs. Prey. Um, that oh. it's toying with its food yes. at this point. Mm. And absolutely, it puts you in the mood to be scared. And I love that. Yeah, it's quite phenomenal. It's quite phenomenal, I gotta admit. Maddie goes upstairs in the attic, but still nowhere to be found. Back downstairs, she opens the sliding glass door and shakes the food around, but still nothing. She sits uh, She sits the food down, goes to grab a jacket, sits back down on the couch to grab her computer while leaving the glass door open. While looking at, while looking at her writing, she gets a message from her cell phone. Confused, she opens the message, and it's a picture of her on the couch. So Fuck. creepy. Then more pictures come in. Two of her are in the room looking for the cat, and one of her on the couch looking at the picture. This is great. <laughs> like it captures he captures her reaction of her looking at the first picture, and that is so fucking chilling. She slowly looks in that direction outside at the sliding uh, door. She puts her uh, computer down and slowly starts walking towards the stairs to see the man outside holding her phone. I think at this moment, I probably would have been like, cool, I'm just going to call 911 now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm uh, obviously someone's here. I had that thought process too, Prince, but I also think that I think in reality, most people would think, no, there's an explanation for this. It has to be something. It can't be this. And then they go, Good. can it be? And then they freeze. And then they take yeah. the time to look. So I feel like it's very grounded in, in reality. Oh, no. I, I I think it's definitely still grounded. Um, But I think that's, that, that, that's kind of one of those things where it, it might be even a cultural separation thing, too. Yeah. Where, like, I don't know. As a black man... I would be playing with that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I hear so, that. Like, <laughs> I feel like maybe in her head right there when she saw it, she saw the threat, and maybe she was just, like she always does, starts thinking about stuff to do. Sure. I mean, it could no, be absolutely. where she wants to call the cops, but at the same time, maybe she's looking around to, like, what she does later on is close all yeah. the doors and windows and yeah. make sure or she's hey, like, safe first and then try to call the cops. Yeah, and sure. let's be real. Maybe she's actually really smart and she thinks I should call 911, but clearly someone has their eyes on me right now. Right. Let me secure the place first. Move. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Maddie runs to the sliding glass door to lock it and the door next to that and then to the one at the kitchen table. But he gets there first. The door is still locked, though. So he goes down the porch and inspects the house instead. While walking around the house, he grabs his bow to wield it, and he moves it. He moves to another room, and Maddie runs to that door too. He walks down to the breakers to cut the power. Maddie runs to the computer to try to call nine one one via FaceTime audio, but he shuts the power off in time for the Wi Fi to also go out. I love that. The and that's what we spoke on earlier. Up to the window and constantly on her phone. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. What I was saying no, no, you're good. earlier, we had spoke on, spoken on this, right? That you lead in with, girl, do this, do that. And then it constantly rebuttals. And it's like, nope, already had that thought out. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And the way that this process of her kind of going through these steps and him being slightly a step ahead because he's obviously done this before uh it is so interesting and like i would love to like 
just know and learn, like, how did you get the concept of this guy? Yeah. Just him. Like, I want to know why, why the way, why did you make him the way he is? Right. I, I'm like, oh, man, I love it. The man comes back up to the window and checks on her phone to see if she has access to John and Sarah's Wi-Fi, but she doesn't. And to me, that is also just another genius move. And just like you said earlier, Freddie, like how he kind of checks the Wi-Fi, um, I picture that as like, has she ever even been to their house? Oh, and yeah. She hasn't. Therefore, she can't connect to their Wi-Fi. Because right. even if they had a password or not, like if she would have gone to their house before, it would be on her phone. She probably right, which means like she knows that the password to it. I mean, yeah. So, let's let's really dive into this. Since she yeah. has a Mac and an iPhone, your Wi-Fi passwords are saved they're, across they're devices. Saved through iCloud. Yeah. yeah. So if this guy is really smart, he's like, it's not saved on her iPhone, so it's not on her Mac. It's not on her Mac. So that's where that's how I pictured it. And this might just be the fact that I used to work at the retail store. But it, 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 that's the first thing that popped in my head. Yeah. Where I was just like, dude, he's so fucking smart. He Isn't must have weird? been an Apple retail employee. I'll be honest. <laughs> I thought that he was about to share the password with her. You're so oh, funny. Oh, my God, Freddie. Because I knew about that feature. I was like, wait, wait, is he trying to help her? I don't care about <laughs> oh, what you do. You man. can call a fucking cop. I don't care. Wrong iOS. Wrong iOS. <laughs> <laughs> they look at each other, and Maddie just knows that she's messed up. He takes his knife and heavily slices the window. Mm. Wow. Then walks away to proceed, flattening her tire. And walks back into the forest. It's funny because I, I was when I was watching this, uh, my uncle, because I'm, I'm babysitting my, my aunt's um, dog. But my uncle walked into the room and um, he was like, shit, I would drive that car anyway. <laughs> 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 he was like, I would still be out of there right. flat and all. <laughs> uh, Maddie starts looking around to see what her next move is. And she goes to her purse to grab some lipstick and a flashlight. She writes a message on the window with the lipstick and points the light at it so the man can see it. The man comes back up to the window and it reads, quote, won't tell, didn't see face boyfriend coming home end quote he gets up takes his uh, takes his um hat his well i guess his beanie off and then he unstraps his mask and takes it off revealing his face and honestly this to me was the most shocking thing for and sure the most daring thing because this doesn't happen often in these types of movies not yes, at all where I, we don't really see the assailant's face like I was, we didn't see it in the strangers and we didn't see it in the collector i was but so yet, excited to talk about this moment yeah oh yeah oh yeah when, when just real quick but when when they take their mask off in those two particular movies they and they do the, their mask comes off in both of those movies but yet we as an audience don't see it. And the reason why is because this is very heavily in the trope of slashers, of, as in the more you know about the killer, the less scary they become. And this did the opposite. Yeah. He took off the mask and yet now, okay, we're now starting to learn more and more and more about this killer, but he's still each time he becomes scarier, more aggressive and more mm. uh, conniving, he's willing to do a little bit more and to break her 
uh, literally and figuratively. And it is so incredible to watch. And in a way, it's kind of beautiful because you don't get that trope in slashers or in home invasion in general. It is so beyond beautiful. Sorry, I just wanted to finish no, that thought. Go ahead, David. No, that's good. No, that was beautifully said. I wanted to add that it really just shows how invested he is into doing the action of taking her life, right? And that's twisted. Yeah. But not only, not only that, it shows his confidence in all this. He yeah, he's, absolutely he yeah. wants to mentally fuck with her and show her that yeah. like you are my prey. I'm gonna toy with you. I want oh. I want you to see my face so you oh, know gnarly. that. I'm all in on this and this is the face you're going to die to. And it's really twisted. But not only that, I mean, the, the, the solace you find in horror films usually is to demask the, the villain. Right. And at this point, just like you were mentioning earlier, Prince, it's It's it's, the Scooby-Doo effect. Exactly. But it really just makes it feel like there is no road ahead. Right. Cause you, Mm -hmm. That's what you look forward to in the horror movie. But at this point, it's just a, a thrilling ride where you're afraid because it feels so much more real now that there's a face oh, to it. Right. Yeah, I completely oh, agree with both of you guys. You guys had both great points. I like how you said that it shows that he's confidence is yeah. like a lot higher yeah. with this. At least for me, this was the turning point where I was liking the movie into I was loving the movie. Because what you just said, too, this is something where it's like it doesn't happen a lot in horror movies. This was another surprise for me to actually see this. I was like, oh, wow, the movie's not even halfway through and we already know who the bad guy is. And he's cocky enough, confident enough to say, that's a cute message. Well, now you see my face. There's nothing stopping me from killing you. And that was his message to her. And he's like, even later on, he says, like, I'm getting in. It's just I'm not done yet. Which is crazy. Oh. It it, oh, it makes things more wild. real too with the mask being off. Where it's like this could be just a crazy guy in real life right. where this could happen. Like yeah. it's not a movie anymore. Absolutely. This is something like no, this is a psychopath. I even put that in this exactly notes. I was like, he's definitely a psychopath, but he's also very smart and he's definitely done Incredibly this before. Smart. So I was like, this is the 100%. turning point where I started loving the movie. I was like, hell yeah. It's like, I mean, I'm I'm sorry for you, but this is a cool point in the movie <laughs> that this is happening. But I was, it was cool that no, she I'm, was brave enough to write that message, too. I was surprised she even did that. I was like, why are you yeah. attracting attention? But oh, great payoff. It's great true. Payoff. Sure. It, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, Freddie, I do want to ask, um, and I'm not too sure, David, if, you, if you've seen this, but do you know who that guy was? He Actor looks wise? familiar. He uh he is the guy who was also in the bunker in Ten Cloverfield Lane. I knew it. I haven't okay. seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a great actor. <laughs> He's a great actor. And I saw Ten Cloverfield Lane before I saw this movie. And when I I knew it was him in the mask because I was like, wow, he kind of he resembles the guy from Ten Cloverfield Lane to me. And then when he took the mask off, I was like, this motherfucker got range, bro. Like, you, wow! Yeah, for and sure. you know what I wanted to bring up too. This guy straight up does not care, even when he had the mask on. Because if you were worried right. about getting subtle. caught, yeah, you're not worried about being subtle or getting caught. Because not only do you have a mask that may be covering your face, but you have a huge identifier right below your face exactly. on your neck with a tattoo. It's you a game to him. He's not trying to be sneaky. He's not trying to be slick. He's trying to have fun. Exactly. 
Exactly. He knows he doesn't he want to get her, caught. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. sorry. I was just saying that he knows that he's not going to get caught. He's like, I'm good enough to get the kill type of mentality. Oh, man. It's gross to think about. Oh, for sure. Oh, it's chilling. Absolutely chilling. He asks her if she can read his lips, but she doesn't answer, and he bangs on the window and asks again. Maddie nods her head that she can. He starts repeating that uh, what Max said to Maddie and tells her that he... That, that part broke my heart. Because it was just like, you could tell, like, fuck, he was in there with me. Like, that was just like, that just poured yep. on her face. Oh, it broke my heart. Yep. And and tells her that he can come he can come in any time if he wants to, but he doesn't want to come in right away. Not until it's time. Her time. He walks off the porch, and Maddie turns off the light to check where, uh, where he is outside. She walks back into the kitchen to grab a knife and a hammer that uh, starts looking in... Oh, excuse me. Then starts looking around the house to make sure he isn't there before heading into her room. She barricades the door and closes the blinds to both windows and hides in between them. She looks out of the window and, and doesn't see him out there. Maddie goes back into the hiding into the hiding and sees his shadow knocking on the window. But it isn't his shadow. She slowly gets up and it's Sarah's corpse that he is puppeteering behind to knock on the window it's so oh, twisted man. Oh, so man. Twisted. and how traumatizing too right seriously to see your neighbor like, your friend body just being like, played with even if she got out of the situation kind of thing like and that that was one of the things that i was thinking about when he was doing all of this stuff where it's just like he was he knew that like okay not right away like he he had the upper hand but he knew once she started kind of gaining the upper hand a little bit later like okay i might die in this situation so what i'm going to do i'm going to still affect this woman for the rest of her life yeah by initially traumatizing her and destroying pieces of her body yep to where it's a constant reminder of this night terrible and and it, it it's interesting because this isn't initially obviously the first thing that happened to her because she got meningitis, which is her death, her um, loss of hearing, and her um, mutism are all reminders of meningitis. And now all these scars, all the mentality torture, are all going on, and those are now all physical and pretty much virtual scars for her to remember yet another traumatizing event in her life. Mm. How fucking genius is this movie? It's yeah, <laughs> it's so well crafted. Yeah, oh my god. Well thought out for sure. Ugh. She slowly walks backwards, dropping the hammer and moving to the moving the dresser out of the way so she can get out. The man waves Sarah's uh, hand at her while she is leaving. Fuck, twist as shit. Maddie falls outside the door and starts breaking down into tears. While crying, she remembers that Sarah put her phone in her back pocket. She runs over to grab her keys to her car and try to uh, sound off the panic uh, panic alarm. She slowly opens the kitchen door when it's not working. Um, and then she officially sounds off the alarm to the car. The man starts heading over to check on the car, dropping Sarah's body. Maddie waits for her to... Uh, for excuse me, Maddie waits for her to be clear, uh, in the clear, 
before she heads back to her bedroom to go out the window to look at look for Sarah's phone. Searching Sarah's body, but she can't find the phone. Meanwhile, the man busts the car windows open to turn off the alarm. When he comes back to the window, he notices Maddie out of the window searching Sarah's body. He runs over to her and she slams the window on his hand, but he is fighting to overpower her and get the window open. Maddie notices the hammer on the ground and lets go of the window to grab it and hit him on the sharp end of the hammer, getting it stuck in his forearm. He rips it out of his arm and cuts off a piece of Sarah's shirt to wrap his uh, wrap around his arm. Once he is done, he looks back at Maddie and pulls Sarah's phone out of his pocket and shows it to her. Then he starts. Uh, he's then he goes over to her and takes one of her earrings and puts it into his pocket. Maddie turns around and walks out of the room while he bangs on the window for her. Uh, what wow. a, what an incredible scene though. That whole sequence was great. Absolutely. The whole... Absolutely. Uh, it's one of those things where, like, the director's really smart with, like, sound use, where, like, the car mm-hmm. alarm is going off, and then we know when it gets turned off, but she doesn't. And as the viewer, you're like, all right, go back inside now. The alarm's not going off. It's just one of those right. tension builders for a viewer to see. It's like, oh, you're going to get caught because you can't tell when the car alarm is off. Exactly. Which is, like, it's yeah. great. And then, yeah, how conniving he is by just like knocking at her while she's like leaving the room again it's like uh it's good it's really good in a way it it kind of feels like he's mocking her oh for sure of her accessibility and oh man it's so like you you see it and it plays so hateful but at the same time it's something about it that was very seductive to him to where he he didn't seem like he was getting like off on it, but it, it, there was something about it to where it was just like, like okay, why her? Why toy yeah. with her? I, I feel like if it was and, any other person, he would just go in there and kill her. Yeah, exactly. And this this gave you this gives you the 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 types of um, sequences of Halloween where you have Laurie Strode and you and you're you're thinking of Laurie and this is this is the type of situation that I thought with Maddie um where I was just like wow this gives me major Laurie vibes mainly because Michael Myers killed a whole bunch of people just to antagonize Laurie and this guy initially is just fucking with her where he knows he could just simply throw a rock into that window and he's inside yeah and it's it's fucking wild to think about oh oh man back in the section of the house she is struggling to figure out her next plan she ducks in her kitchen to hide from the man that is walking outside of her house she runs over to the sliding window looking out looking out of the kitchen window ducking as he passes by the man comes up to the sliding glass door um and is right next to her but when he doesn't spot her he walks back off the porch Maddie makes sure that he is walking past her and then unlocks the sliding glass door and slowly exits out of the house. While slowly walking, she spots him and quickly hides. The man starts walking back towards the balcony and Maddie is hiding underneath it. She puts her hand on the wood slab so she can feel the vibrations of each footstep that he makes. Once again, fucking genius. Like, it's just 
so incredibly genius. And, and this harkens back to what David said is that her main sense that she has right now, since it's so dark, is her touch. And she utilized that. Ah, oh, God dang it. He stops right on top of her and she covers her mouth until he walks away so she can tr- uh, so she can try and run. The man spots her and shoots an arrow at her but misses. He loads up and uh and she goes back, excuse me. He loads up and she goes to run back inside the, inside of the house and he takes another shot but it hits her sliding glass door instead. Wow. He taps his arrow on the window while looking at her um, on the floor and walks away. This dude, man. Right. What a, like, he's just, it, it's crazy how smart he is. Right. Like, and she's it's, making it's, smart moves, but he's on it, too. So it's, it's yeah. like two smart people going at it, and it's just like a stalemate. The perfect match. The fucked up part about it is, though, you can tell this guy has done this plenty of times before from 100%. observing him, you know? And I'm sure Absolutely. at this point, not only us as viewers may be thinking that, but Maddie's thinking that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maddie takes the opportunity to run upstairs and watch him from the upstairs window. He loads his bow and walks back towards the house. She checks another window and spots him walking on the other side. She slowly creeps to an open looking down or, or excuse me. She slowly creeps to an opening looking downstairs and notices the man at the kitchen door. Maddie takes the opportunity to open the door and try to climb down from the roof. While on the roof, the man is looking in one particular direction. She t- takes her lit flashlight and chucks it into the darkness. The man hears this and notices the flashlight up ahead in the woods. He then heads in that direction. This gives Maddie the chance to trek across the roof and climb down the trellis. While trying to climb down, he shoots her in the leg Mm. with an arrow. It's painful to watch. She looks over the edge of the roof and and he fires another shot at her. But she bends completely back, causing him to miss the shot. How surprised were you guys? Like, did you expect him to be back that soon? No. No. (laughs) But you know what? At the same time, I did, even though I didn't. And it's kind of funny because I, I, I wasn't surprised that he was back quickly because he had probably had the assumption of, no, she's trying to fool me. And clearly, she wouldn't be shining a light. This is a, a ploy. You know, and that's how I took it as. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He, he saw the light. He realized it wasn't moving. It's like, oh, that's kind of smart. Turns back around. Caesar's climbing down. He probably, you know what? He probably stood there for like a couple seconds just looking at her and then shot. He's that type of guy. I and honestly, I'm right there with you, Freddie, because like I said, she tries her best to be quiet. But us as an audience, we can hear her stepping. Yeah. yeah. So therefore we can assume that he can also hear her stepping. Mm-hmm. So I assumed he saw the flashlight and she didn't wait that long for him to head over there. And I assume like you're right there with it, Freddie. Like one, the flashlight was on when she threw it. So he could probably see the light swirling in the air. Um, and then it's just kind of standing there. So it, it, it's one of those things where it's just like, well, that's not a car. Yeah, and she's probably not going to stand there with a flashlight pointing in the direction of her house. So I'm pretty sure she's probably not over there. 
So I'm right there with you, Freddie. I think he did wait. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Making sure he goes, uh, making sure he goes up the trellis. Um, meanwhile, she is taking out uh, the arrow from her leg, almost on the almost to the top of the trellis. He goes to throw his crossbow on the roof, but she grabs it and takes and takes a swipe at him, causing him to fall off the trellis. This is where I'm like, hell yeah, fight back! Right. <laughs> she tries to load up the crossbow, but is having a really tough time doing so. So he climbs up the trellis again. She takes the boat and starts limping back towards the window uh, she came out of throwing the crossbow into the house and climbing inside she frantically spins the folding handle for the window to shut before the man um, can grab the window and pry it open maddie points the bow at him standing outside uh, her window he accepts defeat for this time for the time being and walks off but maddie is all types of fucked up that leg wound is bad yeah, real bad oh, like yeah. she is losing a tremendous amount of blood and i love how they continue to say hey that was a vital organ like that he hit that he hit or an artery that he hit because we see her slowly losing her her uh, skin tone and and Ah, man, I love it. Absolutely love it. Cut to her going into the bathroom, falling on the ground, trying to find alcohol for the puncture. She takes her pants off and you get a real gnarly look at this wound, putting a piece of cloth, uh, um, excuse me, putting a piece of the cloth that she can bite down on uh, with her mouth. She pours the alcohol onto her wound while she writhes in pain, banging on the floor. Ugh. I cringe oh, when I was watching this. Fuck. I could, I, 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 I'm empathetic when I see pain. If that makes sure. sense, yeah. Um, and uh, it makes me cringe up and makes it feel <laughs> as if I'm the one in pain. You know, like I could feel that alcohol being poured on the wound, and it's ugh. Oh yeah, oh yeah, bro. It, it, it's it's hard, especially like knowing that type of pain too. Yeah, that makes it even harder because like. All of us, I mean, we've we've hurt ourselves. Like it, yeah. it, it, it's happened. Like we we've fallen or whatever, and our parents or whatever would be like, okay, well, let me get the peroxide or let me get the alcohol. And right, yeah. holy shit, it, I, it was one of those things where it's just like I would rather bleed out right now for you to before you put that alcohol on my skin. Like, <laughs> no thanks. And uh, shit, I have one incident. One incident where I, I hurt myself falling off of a slide. My brother put alcohol on my knee. Oh my god! Never again. <laughs> Never again. I would like. I would rather be infected. I amputate it. Just amputate it. Like <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it. She grabs the. Oh, excuse me. She wrap, wraps the cloth tightly on her leg and begins to cry from the situation and the pain. She grabs the crossbow and notices the counting. Notices the slash marks on the side amounting to thirteen, which lets us know that he has killed people. Thirteen people. Mm. Yeah, I feel like that was and, a nice touch and, to have. I love yeah, that marking. It's like, ooh, he's done this for sure, and I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, he did. That's yeah. yeah that's, it absolutely. shows the psyche of him too. He, those are like his trophies, 100%. his like his scorecard, which is disgusting. Yeah. Exactly, but makes him like even yeah. more scary. One hundred percent. 
A few failed attempts, then we notice, uh, oh, excuse me, after real realizing what this meant, she wastes no time and starts trying to load the bow. A few failed attempts, and then we notice the man is watching her through the window. Oh, oh, man. John is outside knocking on the kitchen door, calling for Sarah. The man hears this and starts heading over towards him. John goes up to the sliding glass door and starts knocking there. Uh, he pulls out his cell phone and the man comes up, comes around, shining the flashlight, telling him to get on the ground and to drop whatever he has in his hand. John puts his hand up and is trying to explain to the man that uh, he is looking for his girlfriend and was about to call for the cops. The man continues acting like a cop towards him and John tells him that he is going to put his phone down and reach for his wallet in his back pocket. He starts he starts Excuse me. He takes out his wallet and hands it over to him. The man checks it and asks if he lives next door. And John tells him that he does. The man drops his hand, faking a, uh, faking relief, and starts giving him a uh, not-so-bullshit story about an intruder running around there and that he needs to call for backup. He swiftly includes with the question of who lives in the house. John tells him, and th uh, then the man asks if she lives alone, and he tells him that she does. John mentions that his girlfriend comes over all the time, and the man quickly asks for her name, and tells him, and he tells him. Then John asks if he is a cop, and the man tells him that he is a, actually a deputy. The man call ask him. The man asks if. Ask him if he can use his cell phone to call for backup, and continue saying that he should have done he should have done it in the car, but he didn't have time. John suspiciously hands him the phone, um, off, uh, hands him the phone off the ground, and the man takes it and acts like he calls uh, calls the station. I thought this was interesting. Man, I I Where thought this was... scene was fascinating. Yeah, I thought this was so interesting. This whole interaction where slowly, like. John, uh, John is having his suspicions about this man. Which is like, like, well, you're in regular clothes first and foremost, right? But the, um, I feel like, at least for me, the reason why he's so convincing is because he's super confident about it. He's yep. very right. good at saying, like, no, this is who I am, even though I don't look like it. I can convince you just with my confidence that I am a police officer, and you're going to believe it. And although right. he has his doubts, he believes it. Because he ends up giving the phone Absolutely. and keeps telling him information. I even put like, uh, okay, now we, because I was going back to the trope of like, oh, now we actually have a character that's dumb. And it's kind of funny because then he starts yeah. realizing stuff out where we're about to talk about. But I'm like, oh, no, damn. Okay, this guy's pretty smart too. It's like, this scene like made me love this movie even more. It's like all these little details. I was like, oh, I'm surprised they went that way. Oh, I'm surprised they went that way because I expect the scary movie tropes to come out of it because I've seen so many is like, Oh, mm -hmm. this is the boring part. Cool. And then they go a different way. I was like, cool. I love that. So it's crazy. I mean, how I realistic agree. is, is John as a character, right? Because like us as an omniscient viewer, we know everything that's going on and we're fully aware that this guy's a faker, but how fascinating is it that this killer is so confident in this portrayal of pretending to be a deputy and, as someone on the receiving end, realistically, you ask yourself, if I had my suspicions about someone being law enforcement and I thought something was up, 
how likely is someone to actually go on the attack, you know? Because then you question yourself. You're like, what if he really is a deputy? And then what if something else really did happen? And I'm making the situation worse, worse. by wasting the yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting, right? Because at the same time, I watched this and I thought to myself, wow, I will never believe someone's a cop unless they have absolute proof showing me. Because straight up, like, he he was smart about it. He said, my badge was taken along with my gun and everything um but even so you always had to be extra careful because when we're us as a viewer being omniscient we know we know what's going on but even john kind of gets a gut feeling and he tries to follow his instinct but you can see in his facial expressions that he's really doubting himself um but how how realistic is that yeah how realistic is that because john is the normal person exactly because it, it's we, one of the situations like all... you would ask for the badge you're like can you prove that you're a cop but he had reasons for everything he had reason yeah it's one just it's well written even <laughs> though even though this killer is so twisted and fucked up in the head they are extremely intelligent 100 percent. and i feel like that's that that's one of the messed up things about society where it's just like Granted, and I know every, a lot of people are into serial killers right now. Like, that's, like, the hot shit. But, like, we, as a society, we have to admit that they are oddly smart. Yeah. And it is yeah. so weird how smart they are. Right. We saw that in and the Poughkeepsie it, tapes, too. He pretends to be a police officer and gets someone to get into her his yeah, car. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's, good, good, it's scary. good point, Freddie. Yeah, it, and and like that, just just bringing that up, where like he convinced that that woman in the Poughkeepsie tapes to bring her in his car. Yeah, and this is kind of the same concept here, where we knew the man was going to kill John. We knew that. Yeah, and that was his intentions the whole time, where he was just like, I just need to get this guy vulnerable enough for me to strike because he's bigger than me. Yeah, he will hurt me. <laughs> Like it, 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 oh man! He even brings that uh, up. It's like once you're is, a big dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he exactly. Once he is done, he knew he knew exactly what he was doing. Once he was done on being on the phone, he goes back over to John. John asks him if if he's uh, seen that message that was written on the window, and the man uh, starts asking if she has a boyfriend or family around the area. John tells him that he isn't sure and notices his arm. He asks the man if his arm is okay, and he tells him that this person ran into him. And he even mentions, he was like, he was kind of the size of you. <laughs> John asks him, ask if he can um, have his phone back. And when he hands it back to him, Sarah's earring falls out of his pocket. John notices this and starts questioning the man about the call he responded to. The man tells him that uh, it was actually from dispatch. And they said someone called called it in assuming that it was the resident. John tells him that Maddie wouldn't have been able to make that call because she is deaf and mute. The man tells him that it probably was his girlfriend then that made the call. Meanwhile, Maddie is in the bathroom still trying to spring back, uh, spring back the crossbow, but not having any luck at doing so. 
back outside with John and that crazy fucking dude talking more about Maddie. He asked her, he asked about her condition and then comments about her living alone. John tells him that she might have a spare key in one of those planters. While he is looking for the key, he asks the man who he thinks it is in uh, some kind of burglars or worse. The man tells him they would they would probably be long gone, and John points out Maddie's car being banged up. While speaking with the man, John grabs a rock and holds it behind his back. The man asks uh, um, asks for a confirmation for the key once again and begins to look. John is about to strike, but then Maddie bangs on the sliding glass door, God damn it, Maddie. forcing John to turn his head back to look in that direction, allowing the man to stab John directly in the jugular. Moments like these wow. kill me. No pun intended. Right. Um, wow. Yeah, it's... Like, it's ugh. Things... Moments like these where if some minuscule second of a change happened, things could have been so differently because that's someone's life, you know? And it's sad, but man, it could have ended so differently if maybe um, that knocking from Maddie was just like, a, you know, five seconds later or something like that. Mm-hmm. But hey, that's horror. Right. Yep. And I, I, it just makes me think like, God, like, I just wish you would have just watched for a second. Yeah. yeah. Like just a second. Because like you getting his attention, what will that do? Right. You what can see him do? like with the rock behind his back. I mean, right. my notes. It's like Maddie. Why'd you have to knock? It's like why? <laughs> uh, but I, I do like where, like, what you said, David. It's like he was so close of like hitting him with that rock. So close. And at this so point, close. I was expecting the unexpected. Like that would happen in this movie. I was like, oh, and it goes back to like the horror trope of like, oh yeah, right when someone's about to do something good, something happens, and then something bad happens. So it surprised me that oh, yeah. it went back to a horror trope, and I was like, I'm okay with this. But damn, I'm yeah. sorry that happened to you. Yeah. Absolutely. John is bleeding out of the neck and still going after the man, even trying to take a swing at him. The man slices the back of his knee and goes behind him, looking straight directly at the man. And I would love to point out, everybody, that this same exact tactic, filming and all, is also done in Dr. Sleep between Abra and Rose. Just want to point that out. Uh, he starts telling John that he could, uh, he could have overpowered him and that he was glad that Maddie came when she did. John plays dead and then tackles the fucking shit out of him. So good. Now, there you go. It switches it back to yep. where it's just like, oh shit, like that didn't expect that to happen. Yep. Meanwhile, Maddie is in the house trying to load that, that crossbow and you get the fucking coolest camera work ever right here where she moves the the crossbow off of her shoulder and the camera follows the crossbow to where it hits the ground that was oh, done yeah. so well and it looked so cool so fucking cool and you actually see this again in doctor sleep and you see it when um rose enters abra's room so yeah it's it's very very well done i love when he does camera work like this wow oh it's just Oh, man, I can't wait until you watch Dr. Sleep. (laughs) Outside, John is trying to choke the man out, but he can't hold on much longer and starts slipping into a forever slumber. 
Maddie takes this opportunity to try and run out of the, out of the front door, but the man runs up behind her, hitting her with a rock. He gets on top of her and starts bashing her face in repeatedly with the rock. The camera pans closer to her face and she opens her eyes and then says, quote, I can't run, end quote, while looking back at the house. We yeah. then realize that she is actually imagining this and they both disappear and she lets go of the door of the door handle and goes back into the living room. Bravo, man. This scene <laughs> had me so thinking good. the film ended, that it was ending and it was going to be a sad ending. My goodness, they got me. And oh. that was a great transition because oh, it, was, it really brought you back quick. And it's it's 100%. been done before, but man, executed so artistically, in oh, my I opinion. Didn't expect it the whole all. motion of her having her skull bashed in, looking off towards the the home and just speaking to herself from a distance. Man, bravo. Phenomenal. Do you guys want to know Phenomenal. what my notes my what my notes say? Let's hear it. Please tell us. Okay. So literally while watching the movie, and I just do like quick bullet points, like very fast. So right when mm-hmm. the guy got stabbed, I thought he died. And I put like, oh, that's over for that guy. And then I put on the <laughs> next scene where he gets up and tackles him. I'm like, guy is stabbed and he's still smart. What the fuck? And then I put just <laughs> yes, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And I was like, okay, oh, okay. No. And then I was like, she runs and dies, exclamation point, exclamation point. What the <laughs> fuck? Exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> and then my next bullet point. Oh, it's fake. What the fuck? <laughs> Like, I was getting so confused, and I was, like, typing really fast. I was like, Love it. this scene has so much going on, where it's like, you think a character dies. No, he's still alive. Chokes him out, but still dies. And then she runs, and then the main character dies. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then you realize it's fake, and I was like, damn. It's like, <sighs> I still love you. I love this movie. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, so fucking good, though. Meanwhile, John loses his grip and he officially dies. The man starts gasping for air and Maddie is still sitting on the floor playing all the scenarios in her head. Her imaginary self is talking to her about all the things that she can do. Try to cut the power back on. Hold in, hold, hide in one of the rooms. Try to fight back with the crossbow. But all of these ended up with her not being able to make it out there alive. This is done so fucking well, guys. Like I, I, I want to go back a, a, a bit here to where Sarah asked her that question. How do you think of this? How do you think of, uh, of the, these types of endings? And, and Maddie mentions that she has writer brain. To where she thinks of multiple endings. And even we see this again with Sweetwater. Where Sweetwater, it was the seventh ending that she was working on with Sweetwater. And I thought that was so beautifully done and positioned in this particular scenario. To where she is seeing all of these possibilities. And she's seeing herself and she's being honest with herself. Where... If I do that, I'm going to die. If I do that, I'm going to die. If I do this, I'm going to die. And yet she chose the most appropriate thing at the very end. And then before we before we say it, I want to read this off and then we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about this really quick. She tells herself that she can't run, hide, or wait. And if she goes outside, she is dead. So she has to do one thing that he won't expect, that none of us will expect kill him mm, great line 
Wow. I have Fucking to give chef kiss, man. I have to give chef kiss mad props to Kate Siegel and Mike Flanagan for really holding this up their sleeve because yeah. so easily uh, we c- could have been introduced to Maddie's thought process of the voices in her head and seeing herself being spoken to herself. Right. We could have seen that throughout mm-hmm. the whole film to add an extra layer on it, but to keep things interesting for the whole ride, they kept us up their sleeve towards this portion of the movie. And it made me invest all over again because you really think about it since we dived in so quickly with the the slashing or the home invasion aspect of this movie, it can feel dragged out for some people, right? If the whole movie Absolutely. is right from the beginning to the end is home invasion. But with this aspect being introduced so late into the movie, it really gives you um, a reestablished sense of investment. And it's smart because a lot of people kind of like to use all the tricks right in the beginning. But saving this towards the end, it's genius. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely genius. Back outside and the man takes another souvenir from his kill. Takes off that guy's watch. Taking his watch and cigarettes while uh, making a sly remark about them killing him. He takes a tire iron out of the trunk of the car, lights up a cigarette, and starts asking the corpse what he should do. The man uh, now starts playing out scenarios in his head, but is interrupted by Bitch the Cat. (laughs) And literally, that is her name. I fucking love it. (laughs) Coming up to him. He goes down to check the cat's collar and sees that it is Maddie's cat. He is uh, talking to the cat, saying that its uh, its mommy is going to uh, see it very soon while pulling out his knife. He doesn't get his last word out because Maddie shoots him in the shoulder with an arrow. (laughs) In my notes, I said, yo, Laura Croft, let's go. (laughs) Let's get it. I had my (gasps) moment when he was about to (laughs) stab the kitty. I was like, don't. This is too much. You can't. No animals can be harmed in any movie I watch, right? But man, when when she shot him, I was like, oh, my hero. <laughs> Bitch's hero too. He pulls out the arrow from his shoulder and runs towards Maddie. She is running back into the house and drops her last arrow. She tries to go down for it, but he slams the door on her hand. She lets out a silent scream and then breaks and then he lifts his foot and breaks her hand by stomping on it. This broke my heart. Oh my uh, fucking this broke god. broke my heart. I had right. just so much sadness in my heart watching this because, again, like, you know, this is a fun ride of the movie, but then it, it grounds it back into reality again. Like, dude, this person is trying to hurt her and is hurting yeah. her. And it's yeah. so sad. And I think he likes the fact that she can't scream. Oh, yeah. It, you can see like, it in his he face. He loves he's, that. He's enjoying this. He just. Right. Where and it, he's like, it's it's like he's he's like, I've never had one like you before. That's how he kept yeah. looking at her. Like, yep. like you're you're so interesting to me. I've never had one like you before. The sad, oh, the sad part so, is it's it's he's not stomping on her foot to in attempts to kill her, but it's more so to cause her pain to just yeah. fuck with her. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it is so beyond. Wow. 
by the way, if you guys hear a noise of a bell and like going on wood, that's my cat trying to go underneath the couch. So just a little heads up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maddie bangs on the window trying to get him to stop and he takes his foot off of her. Heartbreaking. She slides her hand slowly back into the house and closes the door, locking it, then starts to cry while rocking back and forward from the pain. The man picks up the arrow, snaps it, and tells her that he's coming in. She looks up at him, no longer crying, and stands up. Maddie touches her wound and starts and writes with her blood for him to, quote, do it. Heavy. And bangs on the window. She goes back to touch her wound, then writes, quote, coward, end quote, underneath it. He walks back to the car, grabs the tire iron, and uh, but Maddie takes this time to run to her computer. He asks, he, oh, excuse me, as he is walking back to the house, she is writing on her computer a description of her assailant. Quote, Mel. 5'9", green eyes, brown hair short, tattoo on the side of neck, love you mom, dad, and Max died fighting. Can I, can I share something with you guys that was very shocking to me? Mm-hmm. During the scene when Maddie's typing the description and her final words to her family and loved ones and saying that she died fighting in the back while you see windows being... Him just smashing that window. Yeah, and it's just, in... The, psh, psh, it's in... Psh, psh, quiet because it's the perspective yep, of hear. her hearing i am shocked by this i started crying oh, and i really yeah i just started crying and it hit so hard for me and um i talked to bella about this and it's very much so like when people are disadvantaged or given a a harder hand of cards in the game of life um mm-hmm. and they have to deal with even more fucked up shit in 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 um, Maddie's sense, you know she's deaf and mute, and she also, on top of that, has to deal with this traumatizing moment. Right. And yeah. it it's looks like she she believes she's going to die from it. Yeah, it, it breaks my heart. But also, like this is what Bella said to me when I had the conversation with her. Isn't that the a mark of a great film? If it could really get you to feel that much, and I I was even shocked with myself of how emotional it got me. But see, sure. seeing those last things that she typed out, man, that's a perspective that we don't get to see a yeah. lot in film. It's sure it's been done, but wow, heavy I for me. I feel like I had like almost the same feelings as you, not as heavy, but I was so like, like I was kind of telling you guys that like I was really hyped up for this chick to survive and do so much. Sure. I felt like when she was typing that, it changed my emotion to like, oh. I think the movie's going a different way where she might not survive yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm and happy I wanna, we'll talk about the ending, but it's like I'm happy how it ended. Will. Yeah. And I wanna Me add, too. like, I'm I'm not the type of person that cries a lot during movies. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've cried at you movies. Get emotional. Yeah, yeah. But I should have was crying and I was shocked. I mean, like, I'll say in my life as my adulthood, I've maybe cried to less than five movies, including sure. this one. Um, so that was very surprising. I never thought a horror movie would make me cry. <laughs> hey. Wow, that's that's actually really beautiful to hear. Yeah. Um, now, it, it's interesting that you said that um, because for me, I even wrote here, I said, 
because um, I put here, meanwhile, and it, it is shown in the background that he's banging on the window with the tire iron. But I put here that this is probably the only time her condition has ever brought her a sense of peace. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. she came to terms, and she knew what he was going to do. She knew he was banging on the window. It's not like she didn't know. It's just the fact that, like, it was just her and her last moments. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was so fucking good. And I'm I'm glad you got emotional because that was supposed to be emotional. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And it, it, it and it was it was tough. And it continues with those with that kind of roller coaster of emotions here. She grabs the knife and walks back into the room and then the bathroom. Maddie sits on the floor, pointing her her knife in the direction of the door, but her vision starts to blur. While the camera is close to her face, you can see glass fall behind her as the man jumps through the window into the tub. He starts talking behind behind her while pulling his knife out of his jacket jacket pocket saying that he can make her scream if he hits the right spot (laughs) wow the man lets out a small chuckle but she feels the breath on the back of her neck it does his awesome as knife flip while she stabs him in his leg what a fucking him to miss and drop his knife what a fucking cool (laughs) moment man i went from crying my eyes out to you fucking go girl (laughs) i was like you still got fight in you (laughs) oh man this moment where bella woke up (laughs) (laughs) man i got i got uplifted very quickly and i loved it because even though she had her last moments she was not lying when she said died fighting granted we don't know i mean she has not died in this moment but she's still fighting um and it's beautiful and it's it's the fact that having to struggle with the reality of being mute and deaf her other senses have clearly been heightened because of it and you can see the goosebumps off the back of her neck from the slight breath that touches that portion of her body and she can react from it um, yeah. she's intelligent uh, you know, oh, so she's, cool. she's just as smart as he is yeah absolutely that scene definitely got 100%. me like so excited I was like back into it because you know like what you said about earlier it made me feel down about it I was like oh that's sad and I was like yes yeah. you keep going and I even said to myself like you know what if she dies I'm still proud of her <laughs> it's like exactly go, girl. Like, like she fucking killing it. She, she went out trying but when she ran like out she of the room tried her best to survive I was like just finish him just stay in there and finish him that's all right yeah yeah because like in my eyes i was just like okay she stabbed him leave that one he dropped the other one grab that one stab him in the fucking neck yeah that would have been my thought process but it's okay uh because she probably didn't uh see or hear obviously she didn't hear it but she didn't she probably didn't see it drop so yeah it's dark my suspicion it is dark Maddie takes the chance to get out of the bathroom and try to run away, but her vision is going out. She falls to the ground in the kitchen from loss of strength. The man starts slipping towards her into the kitchen. She looks up at him. He calls her a slur. I'm not going to say it. Um, And she sprays him in the eyes with wasp killer. He's screaming in pain, but she's not done yet. Maddie grabs the smoke alarm and reattaches it, causing it to sound off. The man grabs his ears, screaming from the sound and the blinding flickering light as she moves 
closer towards him. Fucking awesome. This is, I love this shit. Hold on, I'm gonna finish this so we can actually talk about it. Okay, yeah. She grabs the knife, but he slams her to the ground. She And then he kicks her into the, in the stomach. He tries to choke her, but she bites his hand and she and he slaps her, then continues choking her. She pushes her finger in his wound on his shoulder, but he tries to hold on and starts bashing her head on the floor. She continues to try and goes through flashbacks in her head while she is dying and reaching for the corkscrew that's on the ground. She uh, jams it. She grabs it and jams it directly into his neck. But he tries to hold on while he is gasping for air, pushing blood uh, that is squirting directly out of his throat and spraying a mist of blood on Maddie's face. He collapses and she pushes him off of her. Maddie starts gasping for air and goes into his pocket to grab her phone so she can dial nine one one. And then she falls back to the floor. We start panning over the bodies of the others while we slow pan back towards the house and see Maddie walking out on the patio. She sits down on the step outside and bitch is sitting right next to her. She pets her cat while she sees police lights coming in the distance. A cop car pulls up in the front front of her house and she closes her eyes, then lets out a smile, then credits Man. what a fucking beautiful way to just end oh, this movie yeah. i have to Here agree with you because i honestly couldn't see it ending happily and i mean it isn't a happy ending but it ended in a way where she survived this and yeah that's the ending that i wanted and i didn't think it was going to happen and i'm glad that Same. i was pro- proven wrong yeah i completely it was agree. a nice surprise i am so glad that we all were proven wrong uh, just even like when I first watched this, like I was just remembering it and I was just like, man, she is not going to make it. And if she makes it, I am going to be so fucking surprised. Yeah. I've never and been, I was this excited watching a movie in a while. So it was nice. Wow. I mean, my notes are literally not professional at all during this movie. I'm just like, I'm like reading it. I was like, so right when she sprays, I was like, Oh, sprayed his ass. And then it's like, oh, he, she's using his senses against him. Took away his sight and now, like, making him, like, not hear. And his, and his, yeah, yeah. And yeah. his fucking uh, hearing, too. It's a great then, climax just, just because put, fuck yes. of that. And then next bullet point is next shot, bitch. <laughs> I love it. Uh, lost your voice it. now, didn't you? <laughs> it's like tables have turned oh, on him. Oh, man. Uh, because, he, because he was trying to scream and he couldn't. So I was like, oh, that's kind of clever. Um I have to say, the soundtrack is very beautiful in this, too. It's pretty haunting. Oh, absolutely. And I was like, oh, this is super well done. Really well done. Sound mixing is really well done. Everything's well done. I've even put at the very end, it's like, cat survived, exclamation point. Nice. Um, And then at the very end, when the credits started rolling, I put Mike Flanagan, you dog, let's go. So, yeah, that was my (laughs) last note. (laughs) I love it. Hands to you, Mike Flanagan. Great fucking job. Seriously. With only a million dollars. That's it. And it, it is so beautiful. So beautifully done. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, David, you are going to say uh, say one last thing I thought? I mean, I just Sounded love like the, the touch of her taking away his senses, right? And yeah. when it was an equal playing field, she dominated. And that's oh, badass. Sure. 100%. So fucking awesome. I love it. 
Fucking love it. Well, I got some movie facts for us. Movie, movie facts. facts? <laughs> because the main character is deaf and mute, the film consists less than 15 minutes of dialogue, meaning that more than 70 minutes occur without a single word spoken. That's pretty cool. Damn. Like and it's like you're mm-hmm. so caught up in all of it that you don't really realize that. Yep. Yep. Filmed in this movie was filmed only in 18 days. Oh, that's impressive. awesome. That's yeah. Very mm-hmm. impressive. Uh, I love this actually. Director Mike Flanagan and co-writer slash star Kate Siegel are a married couple and conceived the storyline for Hush while on a dinner date in 2014. Honestly, that's beautiful. They got married on the year that this movie came out. That's beautiful. <laughs> so cute. Oh, that's amazing. Siegel and Flanagan role-played each scene in their house before writing it down. This enabled them to better envision how the characters would really react in the face of danger. That's what we call a power couple. Pretty genius. 100%. They like, like, you know how some people are just like Beyonce and Jay? Mine is like Mike Flanagan and Kate <laughs> Same, honestly. <laughs> Director Mike Flanagan didn't want the film to be pure silence, so he added various ambient sounds, such as an ultrasound machine. It's well done. Fucking genius. Huh. Genius. <laughs> Main character Maddie and her sister Max are named for Siegel's real-life niece and nephew. That's really cool. That nice. is... So endearing. Here's my favorite. William fucking Friedkin. I'm going to say it one more time. William fucking Friedman, the director of The Exorcist, was such a fan of this film and encouraged almost his whole family to watch it. Whoa, that's how you know you did a good job. <laughs> that's awesome. God damn it. There's a quick shot of several books that the main characters own. Among them, uh, um, excuse me, among them are Stephen King's novels *Revival*, *Under the Dome*, and most noticeable, *Mr. Mercedes*. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of three horror movies directed by Mike Flanagan um, were released in 2016. The others were *Before I Wake* and *Ouija: A, uh, Origin of Evil*. Hmm. Have you guys seen those? No. I think I've seen the Ouija movies. Okay. I like uh, so the Ouija before, movies. Before I Wake is interesting. I'm actually not the biggest fan of Before I Wake. I just love the uh, style of Before I Wake because you see a lot of that style play in Dr. Sleep um, and in Haunting of Hill House. I really love how that's done. But Before I Wake is initially about the little boy who dreams come to life. Oh, I've heard of it. interesting. It was supposed to come yeah. out, and then I think it, it went straight to streaming services, too, I think. No, actually. So it was supposed to come out, and it didn't go straight to streaming services. It actually got canceled because right. um, it didn't fall through with the distributor. Because I remember they so, had a trailer and everything, and then they got pushed back, like, yep. years. And it got pushed back. Yeah. And it, it, I think it officially came out to where Netflix picked it up. It's considered a Netflix original now. Yeah. Um, to where Netflix picked it up, and now it's on Netflix initially. Um. Also, Ouija, or Origin of Evil. I actually thoroughly enjoy that movie. I know a lot of people who don't like that movie, but I really like that movie. I think it's very clever. Um, and the fact that a little girl is the person that's possessed the whole time oh, yep. is really cool. I've definitely seen so. those movies. I really enjoy them. I really like the second one. Yeah, the second one is Origin of Evil. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I love yep, that one. Is. <laughs> yeah. that's Highly cool. recommend it. Highly recommended. Yeah, 100%. And also two of the characters are also in um, Haunting of Hill House. Whoa. The mom and the daughter. 
You dog. Oh, and they also play the same person. Because the daughter in or, uh, in Ouija and the mom or is initially the same person in Haunting of Hill House. That's her younger self and her older self. That's really cool. So good. Only five living characters appear in the film, with mm-hmm. one only appearing in a computer conversation in a single location. That's awesome. Pretty well done. Kate Siegel and Mike Flanagan also previously worked together on Oculus. 2013. Nice. Also another great movie. One that I would highly recommend too. Yeah. That's a fun Super movie fun to watch. Movie. Very underrated. Yeah. Super underrated. The fact that she bites into an apple and it turns into a light bulb. Genius. Oh yeah. <laughs> genius. All right, real quick. Here are, here's our last one that we got for you guys here. The Stephen King book glimpsed at the beginning of the movie as Maddie plugs in her computer is Mr. Mercedes. Another story about a psychotic serial killer whose motives are never explained. Mike Flanagan is a huge Stephen King fan and King was a vocal fan of Flanagan's Oculus. Shortly after Hush was released, King expressed his enthusiasm Enthusiasm for the film on Twitter, saying how good is Hush? Up to up there with Halloween, and even more. Wait until dark. White knuckle time. Oh my God! Beautiful. Damn, beautiful. that was crazy. Oh my God! What what a beautiful like thing to to say for him. Have you guys heard of uh, Wait Until Dark? I have not. No. It's a, it's a movie from 1967, I think. Um, and I, I want to say it was uh, directed by Terrence Young, um, but it's Aubrey Hepburn and she's mm, alone in mm. a house and she's initially, initially being like, it's like, it's like three men or something like that are, uh, are like trying to break into her apartment and stuff. And, and she's also blind as well. Wow. Actually sounds really intriguing. Yeah. yeah. It's a fantastic fucking movie. And it, it's so, so, so well done. And honestly, I would highly suggest take, taking a look at Wait Until Dark. It is it is so, so well done. Oh, my gosh. It's so well done. Um, but, yes, let us know what you guys thought of Hush. Because I, I want to definitely keep this conversation going. I 100% want to know what you guys think. But let us know over yeah. on Twitter at good night life and that's night with a k um also feel free to hit us up on our twitter our twitters are definitely in the show notes as well so by all means if you want to just hit us up directly we are not opposed to that hit us up talk to us we love these conversations uh keep the conversation going um but just want to give you guys a quick update before i announce next month um i am having a baby I didn't officially announce that on this podcast. I have hinted Yay. to it and said things that um, initially say that I'm going to be a parent. But I'm having a baby soon. Um, she is going to be born um, next month, and I'm very, very excited. Her name is Ellie. Really, really stoked. But with me having a child, uh, I'm going to be stepping away from the podcast for a few months. And Freddie is actually going to be taking the helm as the host of the show, which I'm very excited for. Um, Wait, what? Don't you worry, guys. <laughs> oh, this is the first time finding what? out. And don't you worry, guys. You're not. This is not going to be the last time you're going to hear me. I am going to be there for it next month as well, um, unless my baby comes sooner. But uh, initially, uh, I will be there. Freddie's going to be able to practice as well before I officially leave, unless once again my baby comes sooner. Then he's just going to be taking the realms. But that is completely fine. But since my child is coming, I want to do something very special for her. 
And with that specialty, I actually want to talk about child horror. One of my favorite things to actually watch <laughs> is child horror. That is one of my favorite subgenres when in the horror genre. It's part of my top three for sure because it is very clever to uh, initially scare children, but also be able to make it kind of clean in a way to where it also is enough undertones to scare adults. I'll absolutely love that. So that is going to be our little nightmares month, and I'm very excited to jump into it. And our first film that we will have is Coraline. So extremely excited. (laughs) I cannot wait. Love that that movie. Um, Me too. Me too. It's absolutely just so, so beautifully well done. But by all means, guys, let us know over on Twitter what you're thinking. Do you guys have any last little, little, little tidbits or anything you guys want to share? I'm just um, happy for you and your new blessing coming towards you in your life. And, I, I appreciate I w- that. I can't wait. Wish all the best in your time away. Thank we'll you. We'll miss you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we'll, we'll see. I might be able to sneak on an episode or two. Probably not to host, but to, to definitely be a co-host on there. So, you know, I'm I'm really excited for you, Freddie, to take on over. And I know you're going to kill it. So thanks. I'm very, very excited. I'm excited. But this was Nightlight a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And on the other end there, we had my spoopy boys. We had David. Stay spoopy. Boys. Also known as Nightly. On the other end there, we have Freddie. Lock your doors and stay spoopy. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Stay in spoopy always, forever. Also known as Nighty night our efforts to get this show out is not enough we need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights rating us with five stars is very helpful but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it you can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnight life and that's night with a what okay by pledging on patreon you have access to the show as early as monday if you don't have any bucks to toss don't worry an episode is released every friday on most podcast services around the world And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.